0: Because it's fun. It's fun to do bad things.
1: 24-7 comedy radio. I wanted
0: to do horror stuff with my friend. Yeah,
2: you can't tell us what the fuck to do. You can stay inside your little well-prepared box. We step out of
3: that shit like a homeless man trying to change his life. We do it so fresh. We do it the fuck.
4: The Green Room is brought to you today by Amazon. Click the Amazon link on SeanTGreen.com to support The
3: Green Room today. And now, live from Silver Lake, California, the host of The Green Room, Sean Green! Welcome everybody to The Green Room. We're doing it live here on SeanTGreen.com, presented by our good friends, good, good friends over at 24-7 Comedy Radio, also known as 247comedy.com and of course our good pals over at Amazon. How do you how do you support Amazon? Well, I mean you don't really. Amazon doesn't really need the support to be honest. The green room needs the support, but Amazon, amazing online retailer, they got basically think of a product right now. Okay? Think of another non-deviant product and they got it there at Amazon at a great price, easy shipping, guys. We've all used Amazon and the key is instead of just going To Amazon.com, what you do is you go to ShantiGreen.com, click the Amazon link, and then the green room gets a little taste of whatever you get at Amazon. And you can bookmark the link very easy, guys. No excuse not to. You're listening to the podcast. Help me out here. Make my life a little bit easier. All right. And as we said, 24-7 comedy. First off, congratulations to 24-7 Comedy Radio. Just picking up a new affiliate in the Boston area. Shout out to... Boston and 24-7 Comedy Radio. If you're in the Boston area, you can listen to their streaming stand-up comedy radio 24-7. That's where they came up with the name. On 1200 AM. So make sure you check that out. And plans to add a lot of stations in the future. So stay tuned, guys. All right. Let's see. Well, I said doing it live. And I got to be honest, guys. That's a bit of a lie. I I am doing it live right now in my room. Unfortunately, though the uh, past week kind of been put on a uh, medical leave. Uh, I am all right, thank you, guys. Uh, I'll get into the whole oh the whole thing later on. Not a huge deal, but just been a pain in my ass. There's a there's a whole wigwam. I don't even know if wigwam's a proper use there. There's a whole story behind it. I'm sure I'll be getting to it at some point, but kind of uh, wanted to put out a podcast for you guys, anyways. Didn't have time to sit down and do a traditional podcast, but I thought, hey. I have a ton of uh, amazing podcast archives here from my time doing the Green Room Show. Why not dig deep into the archives? I'll select some of uh, of my favorite moments and kind of cobble together. Cobble together. Again, not a great adjective. Build a super podcast out of the best parts of a podcast. Really. Honestly. You listen to the podcast, you have a great five minutes, great six-minute chunk there. Why not put them all together in one amazing episode and why not tied in with a theme. We all love themes, right guys? Who doesn't love a good theme? Everyone enjoys a good theme and the theme for this best of podcast is babes. Best of Babes podcasts from the green room. We have oh man, we have six different guests that are going to be on the show today via the archives. And of course, if you like any of the interviews or if you're like, "Oh, I I enjoyed that woman," I want to hear the full episode of that. I want to hear the full interview. That was just something. That was an appetizer. I want the entree. Well, you go to com? you download that podcast entree, and you tell your friends. Guys, that's another thing. I've been getting a lot of people coming up to me or sending me emails going, Hey, man, by the way, really enjoying the podcast. Well, I appreciate that positive feedback, and that makes me feel better. But let's be honest, guys. We live in a social media world. Feel free to blast it out on Twitter, Facebook. Tell a friend about it. That's really how these podcasts grow. Obviously, I don't have some crazy, out-of-control advertising budget, whatever. This thing's going to keep growing. We're going to keep getting cool, interesting people on the podcast. Need a little help from you guys spreading the word. That's how it goes. The more people listen to the podcast, the bigger names we can have on the podcast. Pretty simple formula. That being said, a lot of people do listen to the podcast, From time to time, we do get some uh, bigger names, one of which I interviewed. This is probably one of the first celebrities I uh, ever had on the Green Room podcast. This was uh, way back in the day, before she became the superstar that she was. I interviewed JWoww from the Jersey Shore, and I thought she was a very nice woman. Um, I I was kind of surprised. She seemed way more down to earth. Now, this is give you a little backstory i interviewed her after season one this is before she became kind of the tabloid fixture that she was the show was just kind of taking off right between season one and two i think where she hit the celebrity supernova so this is Jay. Wow, talked to her about how she ended up getting on the jersey shore she didn't even really plan to get on the jersey shore her actual ethnicity i crowbar an anecdote about uh you know, having a prom on the New Jersey shore as well, and she explains her famous praying mantis comment, where she described that when it comes to guys, she's just like a praying mantis; she grabs him and rips her head off, something like that. So, have a listen to Jay Wow, courtesy of the Green Room Archives. What was the other show that you were trying out for that they said, oh, no, you're not good for this show. We have to get you on the Guidette show, though. Paris Hilton. Oh, you're my new BFF. <laughs> so you're auditioning for Paris Hilton BFF. They're like, sorry, that's not going to work out. My best friend. Yeah. <laughs> but we have the role for you, the role of a lifetime.
1: Yeah, it was. That's exactly. it. my gay best friend wanted to be on Paris and so bad, but he's so <laughs> nervous. And then a couple of weeks later, they're like, "We have, yeah, basically, like, we have you for this show." And I'm like, "All right, whatever."
3: Now, uh the term guidette, I you've been getting a lot of slack or the show has been getting criticism. Uh, you know, they see it as, oh, this is a this is derogatory to Italian people. This is this is epitome of a racial slur. Is that is the is the guido guidette, is that like the N word you can use that because you're Italian? there do you follow No, and I'm not even that, Italian. You're not even
1: Italian. It's a- not even Italian. It's a lifestyle that, um, you know, me and thousands of other people choose. It's a it's a lifestyle on the East Coast that, you know, we're proud of. We only get three months of summer and then we just try and live it up. And it's a very stereotypical. But um, you know we're all proud of it. I'm not Italian. I'm Spanish and Irish. You are. And you're, I take pride. Yeah. Well, you're so, oh, <laughs> three of us on the show are Italian. Wow. Full Jesus Italian. Christ.
3: I'm uh I'm Irish myself. I grew up on the East Coast. I actually uh spent senior prom afterwards at a Seaside Heights uh apartment. Like we had a uh, we rented a big party house. I didn't even go to senior prom. I just went uh, directly to the party house. Hung out there. You got,
1: sound like me. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I got uh I got really drunk and me and my buddy split a case of nitrous and that was my senior prom at the Seaside Heights.
1: <laughs> now, yeah, I never made it to uh prom either. I just made it to the parties after
3: <laughs> Now um you're talking about uh, you know, prom and going on dates. From uh how the show's been played out so far, has there been any problems where like uh you know you You had the relationship back home, and then, you know, on the show you were talking about explaining to your uh, boyfriend, you know, this is what happened or whatever, and then he gets to watch the episodes now. Has that caused any uh, friction?
1: No, um, I think we moved past it because it was, you know, months (laughs) after that, you know, when we saw it, we just kind of laughed it off.
3: So uh, he he was able to, when you uh, saw Polly D's uh, Prince Albert in a can or whatever he was able to laugh that off. It wasn't a problem. He didn't it didn't like reopen old wounds.
1: No, like as you can see, like from tonight's episode, he was there after it took place. So uh, you know my boyfriend was visiting every week.
3: So does that mean I can show after you after the the show. my wounds?
1: They just really don't show it. <laughs>
3: Now, is that is that a problem? Do you have, like, that seems to be a big complaint of people in, you know, reality stars. They always complain, like, oh, that's not really how it went. They made me to look out to be a slut, but I'm not a slut. You don't, oh, man, they didn't show you all that other stuff. Do you have a complaint with the the show so far on how you've been portrayed?
2: Yeah,
1: I mean, they don't show everything they can because they have to take hundreds of hours and throw it into, like, 45 minutes, but... It is what it is, and you take it for what it's worth, you know, and you just, like I said, you just got to take it with a grain of salt and just laugh at it, so, at the end of the day, we're still together, and we're fine, so, you know, the reality star, quote unquote, like, breakup thing didn't catch me.
3: So you, uh, uh, everything that happened on the show, you guys, uh, I don't know, was it Tom or whatever, you guys are still together, even after the show? Yeah, we're still together. He's here right now. Oh, nice. <laughs> Yeah. So now uh now uh you had this uh quote you've had a couple uh, popular quotes from the show, one of which I think you know they've been playing a lot, but uh where you describe yourself as a praying mantis
1: after, uh, after that had was sex from with so the- long ago it's <laughs> so funny um they obviously they don't show you me saying it because I wasn't say had show say it oh, I never said it on the show. But uh, it was definitely, I think, during one of my audition tapes that I said something to that effect. And uh, you know, they're, they're not letting that one down.
3: <laughs> well, you, they have you—they have you pegged as like a black widow. You just love these guys and then murder them. But what did you mean? Yeah. What did you mean by that? By the praying mantis? Had describe? I mean, I'm imagine it's an emotional metaphor, but. What did that yeah, mean Yeah, it's like chew exactly? them
1: up and spit them out, kind of, you know, saying, like, you know, use and abuse, guys. Anyone that, um, that whole like, stereotypical guido, you know, white like, those looks, I don't really play for, like, the muscle tattooed look. Wait, so hold I on. So I kind of, like, try and get them in. What's
3: up? So I'll just slow down this. You're telling me you're not into juiced-up, muscly guys?
1: No, no, oh, wow. I like to play with their mind, you know. I give them head games, and then, you know, that's where the term came from, where I, like, chew them up and spit them out. Like, I make them think, like, I they have a chance, and then I just kind of, like, shut them down.
3: Hey, all right. we're, um, <clears throat> Sean, Logan, and I are kind of like Club Kings in L.A. over here. <laughs> so if we came out to the Jersey Shore, is there any way you could hook us up?
1: Definitely, definitely. If you guys come out, I'll make sure nice. you're, you know, you're taken care of. Get Not some... necessarily the Jersey Shore, but if you come to the East Coast.
2: Yeah. Anywhere on the East yeah. Oh, sick.
3: Now, uh, I, I, some, my buddy uh, lives in Manhattan. I make it out there sometimes. Now, she All got right. it. I, I'm there. I'm not a, uh, I'm not a juiced up muscly guy. I'm, I'm posting up in the club. What do I have to say? What do I have to do to approach a J-Wow? Um. You know, saying that you're not, see. you're not in a relationship. You're there, hanging out, dancing, looking to meet guys. As a guy, a single guy, you know, I, I most of my uh, games based off my personality. I don't. I don't have much yeah, of a 6 Don't be like Mike. <laughs> so, you, But Mike, the situation, he's getting laid all the time. You're saying don't yeah, be like Mike? Yeah, by, by, like, creature, you scrape up the boardwalk. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <That> sounds fine.
3: <laughs> oh, man, that Wow, what will she think of next? I actually didn't know where that would end, the interview per se, when I originally cut that first part, but I figured – what will she say next? Great thing to say about WoW at any time. Let's be honest, guys. And this next woman, she's uh, just as outspoken when it comes to sex and her dating life. Danielle Stewart. She's a uh, comedian. Very funny gal. Uh, check her out if you get a chance. And comes from a uh, pretty interesting background as far as her home life. She was on the podcast a few times. I definitely want to get her back on. She has some great stories about her mom, Uh, her mom hooking up with a lot of kind of rock stars in the 60s and 70s era, her mom being very open and frank, talking about sex and kind of uh, her sexual experiences. For a guy who grew up in a household where sex wasn't really discussed a lot, it, it it was very interesting. I mean, put it this way. My mom recently said to me, she goes, Sean, you know, I read all three of those Fifty Shades of Grey and... You know, it was a little, you know, for my taste. And that about that about sums it up. I still, I didn't get to ask her why she ended up still reading all three books if it was a little too randy for my mom's taste. But Danielle Stewart, nothing is out of bounds. She is an open book when it comes to her sex life, her comedy, and her family. Take a listen.
2: I was like a black sheep in that school. So I was like... I, there was shame building from the beginning. It was right there was away. A con- just yes. like
3: feel bad about yourself. Yes.
2: Constant shame. And, uh, You know, and then when I got into high school, I think this is when the sex stuff starts. When I got into high school, like yeah,
3: because when does your mom have uh, the sex story? Because I know with my parents, you know, I come from like a totally different background. It's you know more Irish Catholic, like very very conservative. You know, talk. We don't talk about anything. No, don't talk about any sex, nothing like that. I still remember, you know, my dad. The the only quote unquote sex conversation we had was uh, we were driving in his Ford Escort. (laughs) He looks over me. He's like. So you know how babies are made, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, enough of this talk. <laughs> like, you know, right, change the radio right. station. Because, I mean, you know, just all that uh, religious, you know, you, you just feel uptight about it. So, for me, this is fascinating that your parents would even bring up some such subjects. So, when did your mom first have a sex conversation with oh, you? Oh, there
2: you was remember? never a sex conversation. It was just it was always Diving like, in. My, this, I, for as long as I can remember, this is how my mom talked to me. <clears throat> you know, when I was fucking Howard Hessman. <laughs> You know, it's just his dick was so big, I couldn't, you know, it tore. It tore my my vagina. And, like, that's literally how she would talk to me. I remember when I was a little girl... Uh, she told me this story, which was probably an urban legend, I don't know, but that she had this friend. <laughs> Your
3: you know? mom has urban legends?
2: Oh, yeah, because she was always trying to scare us into, like, not getting into car with strangers, you know, that type of thing. Right. So I grew up in the 80s, so it was all, it was about flashers and, like, Right, instead you know.
3: of marrying, uh, you know, hobos you pick up, you know, you know, it's a, right. the paradigm's totally shifted by the 80s, so.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, she told me these horror stories about, like, girls that would get snatched in vans, and then they would stick, like, twigs up her vaginas. I mean, she would tell me these horrible things at a very Young age. I, I remember, I do distinctly remember though when I was seven years old, uh, I said to her, I'd heard virginity, the word virginity at school, and I came home and I was like, Mom, what does virginity mean? And she looked at me and she was like, <laughs> Virginity is something you get rid of so you can start living your life. <laughs> no, she said, That's what, what? she said. That's awesome. yeah. And you remembered that? Oh, yeah. Well, how would you I, not forget not for, that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so she you know, I remember when I was like um 14 or 15, I was in the back seat of her car with one of my friends and we were giggling about something and she must you know, I was trying to hide it from my mom, you know, and and she must have heard something about porn. I don't know, but she was we were talking about something and all of a sudden she goes, "I love porn. Those pulsating cops. <laughs> <laughs> you know like it, I mean that's the kind of mother I grew up with, you know. Wow. So I, you know, and I I will say this. Did she I, ever? Did you ever get
3: like? Call, did she ever get called into the principal's office at your?
2: Uh, my mother. Private school? Yeah. <laughs> my mother would get. My mother got into fist fights on the uh, on the school grounds with like. No, was this like a was stuff. this
3: a public school or is this a private? school? No, it school? was a
2: very expensive Jewish private school.
3: So now, how how do you guys support? What was your mom doing for a living, or what was your dad doing for a living?
2: Nothing. My uh, my parent. My grandparents are wealthy.
3: Oh, okay. So, so they're independently really wealthy, so they were just living off.
2: My mother was living off of her mother. Okay. Yeah.
3: Now, d- were you ever embarrassed? Did you become extremely?
2: Att- <laughs> I mean, like mortified.
3: Oh, <laughs> well, you just—I guess you know. This is years later. You're really over it, but I. So how did you? How did you explain to your, uh, you know, 13-year-old girlfriends at the time? Like, yeah, my mom did some blow, and uh, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of bass players and a lot of rockers. How do you? How do you broach the subject with your friends?
2: Well, Do you try it, to hide your parents? Oh God, my everyone, come on, everyone loved my mother. Oh like, yeah, she's the cool mom. The cool you know mom. what I mean? The I mean she, party, yeah. yeah, I mean she wasn't the cool mom that's like doing drugs with us. There was other moms that were like that, like in public school. But my mom was like the mom that like if you came over my house and you got her on the right day, she would tell you all of her you know stories about rock stars and. So know. wait,
3: who else? You're, you're talking about the guys from Led Zeppelin? Jerry Dennis Garcia.
2: Hop. Yeah, Jerry Garcia. Oh yeah. man, I'm, I'm wearing my grateful dead shirt oh yeah um, oh i see that i, I mean, want your yeah. mom your
3: mom's gonna call in and tell me what it was like to hook up with jerry garcia <laughs> yeah
2: I, I, you know <laughs> what i'll, I'll talk to her yeah
3: <laughs> what was jerry like um that that's insane <laughs> what it, and uh, i'm sorry I, I cut you off
2: there was there any no 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 i oh, mean okay. there's um i'm trying to think i mean i know i i'm a lot of it's spotty because it's come uh the information has come to me in chunks over you know it, yeah 20-something year period, um, but uh, but I know there was a one-night stand with Howard Hessman. I know there were, was the Dennis Hopper thing, obviously. I know there was the Led Zeppelin thing. I know, um, I'm actually not 100% sure she had sex with Jerry Garcia. I do know that there was something there. Um, and Peter Wolf, who was uh, in the Jay Giles band, something was there. I mean, they, my, par- my mother and her first and husband was had a was- polyamorous relationship. So, oh, wow. they weren't faithful. So she was actually married to her first husband when she was living with Dennis Hopper. OK, so there was like it was That's you know, kind of a
3: weird situation. You feel like at least. Well, I don't know. I guess I've never had a marriage or any real serious relationship. But I, I feel like if you're if you're going to at least try the the swinger lifestyle, you would at least live with the partner. Right. Or.
2: Well, they did that for a while. They got married because um, he was under investigation for the FBI because he was a really high profile cocaine dealer, like drug dealer. So, what happened was, is there was a big FBI raid at their apartment, and she had to marry him in order s- to not testify against him. So, that was oh, really okay. why they got married. Um, and so <laughs> that's they got, tried.
3: It's got to make wow. for an awkward uh, best man toast. Yeah. Well, we, right? we always knew you'd uh, settle down one day, especially when the uh, FBI raided your huge Coke stash. But uh, <laughs> we, we all thought it was meant to be. Danielle Stewart, once again. Great interview there. And let's be honest, not all interviews can be great. A couple times I've been on this podcast, mics are fired up, and you see the uh, volume meters running, and you realize there's not much going on. And I know what you're saying. Sean, this is a bad way to set up an interview. Well, it's that's one way to look at it. But let's be honest, guys. Some things, when they're bad, they're good. You know what I mean? When something's so bad, it's almost good. And and that's kind of the feeling I got when I interviewed Jocelyn James. Now, you uh, for those of you not... Following the uh, adult film world, that f- you don't have your finger to the pulse of the adult film world. You might not know who Jocelyn James is or was. But Jocelyn James was an adult film star, and she was also one of Tiger Woods' mistresses. So when that whole Tiger Woods scandal came out, I got a chance to interview her. I was not going to pass that up. So I uh, got her up on the phone, and... <laughs> I mean, she cracked me up in just how blasé she was about the whole situation. I mean, I ask her what Michael Jordan is like. I ask her, you know, what Tiger Woods is like, their sex life. All seems hilariously run-of-the-mill to Jocelyn James. And there's also one of the crazier callers or one of the more interesting people to ever call into the green room. So, that... All I can say is the caller that calls in is completely real. Jocelyn James is completely real. And for some reason, the Tiger Woods sex scandal was completely real and captivated captivated our country. It'll be a footnote in the annals of history. It really did capture... Capture our uh, nation's attention for a for a little bit there, and, and I got an exclusive interview. Although I don't know if anything's exclusive with Jocelyn James, but I got a chance to have her call into the podcast. So take a listen. What was uh, what was Michael Jordan like? Everybody's everybody's just
0: people. It's it's really not you know not that big a deal. I don't think.
3: Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know. I, I'm I I think I would be freaked out if I met Michael Jordan. So you you. Uh, now you meet this Tiger Woods. Things are going well. Do you go back to his place that night? How does it work?
0: Yes, I did. He waited for me to get off of work, and I took—I went in the car with you know him and his friends back over to the mansion, the MGM mansion.
3: So now his friends, these friends are just colleagues.
0: No, one of his is really close friends.
3: Oh, okay. All right. So you guys go back to now. where is this? The mansion.
0: The MGM mansion.
3: Okay. So now he takes you back there, and and how does it work from there? You just are you guys drinking? You guys partying? What's going down?
0: No, we you know we ordered some food. We were hanging out, talking, laughing, you know, watching TV.
3: What kind of shows does Tiger Woods like to watch?
0: We Tiger and I always watch sports, so we always watch the Sports Center, ESPN, Fox Sports.
3: All right. Because now, now, now when he's when he's band, watching, so. uh when he's, when Tiger Woods is watching sports, does he ever, does he ever trash talk other athletes? Does he ever trash talk other never. golfers? He never, never he never. never, uh, he never said like Phil Mickelson's a pussy. Like never said <laughs> yeah, anything we, like we that. We
0: didn't talk golf. We never talked about golf. We never watched golf
3: together. Oh, okay. You guys watch other sports? Yeah. Okay. So now, all right, things are going well. You guys are hanging out. It takes you back. How's that? How is that first evening?
0: It was good.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Is he now? It seems i am reading over these texts. He seems really concerned with the ability to please you. Did you did you enjoy the entire experience?
0: I always enjoyed having relations with him, be it you know clothes on or clothes off.
3: Cool. <laughs> so now when he takes you back, that. That first night, how does he does he try to get real wild and crazy? Is it kind of boring? How would you describe the sex with Tiger that first night? No, it was.
0: The sex with him it was never boring. It was always, you know, it was always fun. We always had a good time. And then, you know, over time, you know, you know, we both grew to have feelings for each other, and it became more passionate, and it meant more, you know.
3: So you th- now do you um. In hindsight, do you think that he was kind of faking these feelings or do you think he did have sincere feelings for you, but, you know, he got caught up in this whole having a wife thing?
0: I think he did have sincere feelings for me because you, you don't carry on a relationship with somebody for three years and, you know, tell, tell somebody you love them all the time and, you know, you know, want to see them all the time and just all the other little things that went into our relationship without having feelings, and then there was no reason why he would have gotten jealous of, you know, me doing adult films and, you know, any any other guy, you know, potentially around me or any, you know, ex-boyfriend that I, poss- you know, that I could possibly have being in town in Vegas or, at, you know, in any way, shape, or form. He was just insanely jealous of me with any other man. That's why I stopped doing adult films.
3: So you stopped doing adult films as a way to appease Tiger?
0: Absolutely,
3: yeah. I've I've been shot an adult film in over two years. Oh wow. Okay, we got a uh, Jocelyn. We got another call coming in here. Caller, you're <laughs> on, you're on the air. Yellow, Hello? You're, Yeah, you're on the air with Jocelyn uh, James.
1: Oh. Oh. Okay. All right. So I, I just have a question about Tiger Woods, or like, or the whole situation. Okay. And um, I I I just want to know, like, on a scale of one to ten, how good is Tiger Woods in
0: bed? He was uh, 10 and beyond. Whoa. 10 and beyond? And is it true yes, you know what they say about beyond. black guys and their penis? Um, so Not all black guys have huge penises, but he was bigger than adequate. No, stop it. No, I'm being honest. <laughs>
1: all right, well, that's all I want to know. Thank you. <laughs> okay, you have a great day. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right, good times. Jocelyn James. I love how she described Tiger Woods as more than adequate. Quick sidebar, is it odd when I laugh coming out of the clips? I I don't know why I'm trying to pull off the illusion that I'm listening to the podcast live, sitting through my own p- podcast, listening to it, and then just couldn't. I I was just laughing so out of control that even when I set up to record, I couldn't. I was even taking. I was overwhelmed with laughter. Laughing at my own podcast. Kind of like a sociopath. But, um... (laughs) See, now that was actual genuine laughter. The way I started introducing this next clip. Not genuine laughter. But this next gal brings a ton of uh, genuine laughter to the podcast. Great guests. Let's get back to the intentionally funny portion of the program. With Tess Barker talking about her wild family life. Her uh, growing up with her dad. Her dad sounded like a free spirit. He didn't, uh, you know, he played by his own rules when it came to parenting. Very unique, interesting guy and some uh, great moments here. Very hilarious. Tess Barker. You'd seen, you talk about your dad on stage doing stand-up comedy. Um when did you start noticing like as a teenager everyone says oh my parents are crazy was there a moment early on when you were like oh wait no my dad's crazy like this is this is kind of odd dad behavior
5: Uh yeah well this is a good example we had my family has a ranch pretty close to where we grew up and we would go out there a lot when I'm the oldest so probably starting when I was 9 my brother was 7 and my sister was like I guess 4 uh, we go out there for shooting and driving lessons. <laughs>
3: <laughs> wait! Wow. Okay, oh, yeah, hold on. Sorry, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not doing the math right. When you were four years old, my sister was four. Okay. Yeah. No. When so, I was nine. so wait, she was, she was, she was, she was just working the gas like what? <laughs> well, she was just it... there to catch, to catch the <laughs> shells.
5: How it would work was. My dad would be with the kid that was shooting. And then the other <laughs> the two... Four, the the four-year-old. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then uh, the other... I probably started shooting a gun when I was four or five.
3: No, really? Yeah. yeah. Wow, now I feel like a huge pussy because I've never shot a gun. Oh, we're going to. <laughs> now, now I'm like, oh my... Because you hear these stories, and I thought this was just hillbilly Pennsylvania, but like, occasionally like an eight-year-old would get a hold of a twenty two and shoot his parents or something yeah. in some accident. But four years old... and. What is a, oh sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. So the plan was. So,
5: so you would, shooting lesson would be with dad, and then the other two kids that weren't in the shooting lesson would have the car unsupervised. (laughs) Because his theory was, it's a ranch, what are you going to run into? So I started driving when I was like 8 or 9, too, with no adult in the car. (laughs)
4: That sounds like a blast. That
3: sounds awesome. But,
5: I mean, I kind of understand where my dad was coming from, because his theory was, you know, if you start driving when you're 8 or 9, by the time you're 16, you won't be afraid to drive. And I wasn't. I was very ready
3: for my driver's test. Exactly. Same thing with... uh, With the guns. (laughs) Yeah, same with guns. Yeah. Hey, you know, eventually when you're 16, you go to high school, you're going to need to know how to use a gun. <laughs> All right, well, I don't want you walking in the classroom, there's going to be cl- crips, bloods, you know, if you if you got the safety on, you could be murdered. Your dad was ahead of his time when it comes to the Combine situation, is what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. And I, I think he's a real hero. So what, Mom? Mom wasn't having any of that? She wasn't a fan?
5: Um, well, no. Okay, Four-year-olds
3: firing firearms?
5: She was, so, I'll be okay with that. I'll tell this quick story, too. Um... I tried to run away from home. I talk about this sometimes on stage, but I tried to run away from home when I was a kid and it was just like, I got in a fight with my parents for whatever reason, her rumped up the street with like a pillow and I was just going to go hang out at the playground for a couple hours and show them what they were missing. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad rolls up and he goes, you want to run away from home? You think life on the streets is easy? He's he getting get in the car. And I get in the car and he's like fuming. He drives us down to LA.
3: Oh my god.
5: Tries to find a homeless person to teach me a lesson.
3: Whoa. <laughs>
5: Can't find one anywhere. Ends up stopping at the donut time on Hollywood and Highland. Wow. Picks up two transvestite hookers. What? One of them. Picks them up? Yeah. One of which had a little kitten with a rhinestone collar, which was – that was the thing I was
3: most interested in. (laughs) Yay, Daddy, I'm going to be a transvestite hooker when I grow up. Look at the cool collar I get. Yay.
5: so he took all four of us out to dinner and remember (laughs) the Hamlet oh Oh my god wait what yeah and he had these these women I didn't even I I did not realize that they were Uh. men dressed as women I didn't realize that they had sex for money None of this. I was like this doesn't look that bad they were just
3: dressed really yeah they
5: looked hot yeah (laughs) (laughs)
3: that explains the attraction to Britney Spears as well they were just dressed in flashy clothes yeah
5: and they were totally phoning it in like they were like uh huh girl you don't want this life like they were clearly only doing it because they knew that was what was paying for their dinner
3: yeah but for them like this is jackpot wait the john just wants us to say stuff to the do- oh now and that's
5: his name too oh <laughs>
3: yeah, your dad funny. john of yeah, course yeah. it makes it makes so much sense now i would have loved to have been there with the conversation like you're in the car i don't know, polishing a firearm doing whatever and, and dad's outside explaining to the transvestite prostitutes what's gonna go down no, okay. Now I'm going to take you over to Denny's, and I just want you to explain the perils of living life on the street. Exactly. Okay, so exactly. then we blow you. No, no, no. You don't.
5: No, it's all no. You have to do. Okay,
3: but is the kid going to watch? That's extra, right? No, 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 no. Listen, I'm not paying you to have sex. Are you wearing a wire? What's going on? They must have. I can't imagine the trip to Denny's to do the scared straight thing to the daughter. Now, that's a really, that's a really long way to go. I understand the panhandling, but taking... (laughs) Exactly.
5: I mean, and like how... it, it was completely in an effect. And we, he got pulled over on the way to. <laughs> oh my God.
3: Oh, that this is the greatest story of all time. All right, so, okay, he gets pulled over. Now, is this going to the restaurant? <laughs> this is coming back from the restaurant. He
5: gets pulled over. And so the police officer has my dad and the two trannies sit on the curb. I'm allowed to stay in the car. Wow. <laughs> and so I look down at them, and all three of them are looking up at me with these pleading eyes, and I don't really understand what's going on dad's like hide the gun yeah no and then after so that, the cop asked me he goes so why did you run away from home and i'm like seriously my dad's on the curb with two prostitutes <laughs> <laughs> so i get back in the car and my dad goes um i know that was like really scary but you were never in danger because there's a loaded gun under your seat <laughs> oh
3: my god no wait how old were you, you when know. this happened i was
5: probably i think i was in fifth grade
3: Fifth grade. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so I was older. Yeah, <laughs> I love how you. I love how you weren't in trouble because a police was there. <laughs> no, you were safe because the police were there. That wasn't what your dad was going for. It was no, in case shit got real with the cops, you could yeah. fire back.
5: And my favorite moment is before my dad came to get me, him loading the gun, putting it under the seat of my car, and being like, "Yeah, this is a good idea."
3: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, before he got oh, before he got you to oh, before he picked you up to yeah. take you down yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Great work by uh, Miss Tess Barker. See what I did there, guys? Just sold it on enthusiasm. (laughs) Enthusiasm. I should recut that, but I feel like leaving in where I occasionally mess up, it helps uh, keep that real live feeling that we've come to know and love here on the Green Room Podcast. All right, guys, back to the unintentionally hilarious. This one lady, now... All right, here, here's how this came about. I was watching the news, and I saw that there was, a, there was a movement abreast, if you will, for women to go topless. Now I thought, oh, okay, what is this, some Tom Likas, uh, you know, he's a radio shock jock. I thought it was some Tom Likas stunt gone wrong, but no. There's actually a go topless, you can go to gotopless.org, movement where these feminists, uh, they are basically protesting to have these same rights as males to go around and go topless. And you know, you know, if I'm anything at the heart, I am a feminist. You can tell by having the Best of Babes podcast that I am a true feminist at heart. So I'm all about equality. And <laughs> now, in all seriousness, I thought it was pretty interesting. To bring this woman on and explain what motivated her to get this go topless movement going, I guess she didn't start the go topless movement. Turns out it gets a little deeper. Turns out there's this spiritual movement. Uh, some like myself see it as more of a cult, but this guy named Real Rael, has this Raelian movement. Um, it sounds very culty to me. One of the things this dude started when he started this religion was he was kind of the founder the figurehead behind the go topless movement anyway very interesting woman very interesting movement and as a feminist i thought i owed it to myself and to my listeners to hear i see there you go to hear out why women should be allowed to go topless now, okay, so I understand the kind of idea of Go Topless. You want right. women's equality to go topless. But what kind of drew you to the movement? How did you hear about it? How did you decide, oh my God, I got to get behind this? I'm tired of getting arrested for walking around topless. <laughs> did something happen? What drove you towards this movement?
4: Absolutely. Well, I myself um, am a Raelian bishop in the Raelian movement, and the okay. founder of Go Topless is Rael, and um, his name is Rael. Sorry, not Israel, but okay. Rael. And um, the the organization, the Raelian movement, is a spiritual organization that believes in absolutely nonconformism, freedom of rights, freedom of speech, you know, and supports causes like Gotoplas and a number of other very revolutionary causes, especially the repression of women, the repression of freedom of of expressing ourselves in whatever that may be, whether it's artistic or sensually or sexually, uh, you know, so... Um, when I, when um, Riel, the, the leader of the spiritual organization, the Raelian Movement, which you can see on okay, um, he heard about a case of a woman in 2006 who was um, arrested on a subway in New York City, Phoenix Freely. I'm pretty sure it's her last name, Freely. And uh, she won her case, won $29,000 in New York City. Wow. And. After that, they had changed the laws in that area. And In Manhattan, I don't know if many of you know, you can go topless in Central Park and through Manhattan down in the city streets. So because those laws have changed, you know, obviously there's been kind of slowly. So when Ryle heard about this, he said, we have to do something because, you know, it's again and again that women – are repressed are put okay, back So rael saw hey saw women audition. are
3: being repressed they want to walk around topless right, they i'm going to get behind right
4: i'm going to get behind this we should start an organization called gotopless.org okay Done. now how did you find so out about rael how did you oh gosh uh, that's uh that's a whole another long story another you know another show i'll come back on Okay. <laughs> but i i've known about the railing movement for 14 years i was living in europe i read his book it absolutely changed my life moved me um, it's an atheist, very spiritual atheist understanding of how we became to be here on this planet. So, now, <laughs> as an atheist, does he believe in spirits? Nope. So it's not spiritual. It spirit. Well, spiritual doesn't mean believing in spirits. But that's a whole nother. Like I said, anyway. Here. Yeah. So <laughs> now right. sounds like a, so now, uh, sounds so like a third show. Or, right. Exactly. <laughs> so that's what I said. But you can look on rail.org for those who are curious about the railing movement and everything that we stand for. But we we stand bef- behind, you know, the support of, you know, condoms in schools um things. Now you're talking
3: about say, I, I noticed on the website one of the questions you get a lot is, how are you helping men? How is this going to help men? Obviously guys getting to see breasts is helping them, but is there mm-hmm. anything, any other benefit to men?
4: <laughs> Absolutely. If you, I mean, j- just for an example, like the last three years now that we've done go topless on Venice beach, the experience that we had, um, as far as being topless and seeing, you know, hundreds of people sn- taking pictures and wow, topless girls are almost topless girls. Right. Right. And, and then after about an hour or so, it, uh, they start to like it's not anything exciting anymore they start looking the other way and they stop taking pictures and it's like oh, okay the excitement's done it's like they, you know it's <laughs> oh terrible. it's like looking up someone's dress for the first time you get like this little rush but the yep. whole point is if you see it all the time then it's like oh that's a pair of breasts yeah we all have them you know now
3: but like, as a woman are you worried okay hey we can go around topless and then you start going around topless and then next thing you know you're walking around and i'm not honking at you because you have giant breasts anymore because <laughs> I've seen them. I'm worn out. I'm not I'm not getting the second job so I can make more money, so I can take girls out so I can so see what's funny. going under their bra. Do you see
4: that? I don't see that. Do you that,
3: worry that, that it's going to devalue it? No, absolutely not. Do you worry not. that breasts being flooded in the marketplace is going to hurt your N- currency?
4: Absolutely not. Because look look in all so many other countries that breasts are – you see breasts. It doesn't matter if, if breasts are out. I mean, if you're a handsome guy and it, I see your if. face all the time, right <laughs> – and then say we're in a relationship. I'm not gonna like, go, oh, well, you're not handsome anymore because I've seen your face every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, come on, really? That's a good you know, point. like,
3: yeah, I, I get where you're saying. I don't think I'll ever go tired of seeing bare breasts. It's <laughs> it's a purely Hypothetical. So,
4: I mean, it's all it's all cultural. I mean, we have to look at what how we think in America. So you, you know,
3: we're we, uptight Americans, and you're trying to get us Americans to loop that, that, up. You, ever, you know,
4: we're, we're constantly <clears throat> surrounded by a media that sells sex, but we have so many taboos around the topic, and it's like, that's what makes us a little like, woo woo kooky, kooky Do you ever
2: think about <laughs> taking it a step further and making it uh, mandatory for women to be topless all the time?
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, hey... From state to state, let's see. We, we have Columbus, Ohio, Houston, uh, Austin, Texas. And you have um, to show your boobs in those. Not states. have to. You can. Miami oh. Beach, South Beach, of course. Okay. <laughs> uh New York City. I think there's five states right now that it's it's legal to go topless. So you know it's within each state's right, and the, those rights also were as like topless walking down a street. Now, topless. do you think
3: has this have the, have these protests been successful? Obviously, you guys you got a lot of publicity from it you got a lot of people checking out the website mm. and stuff like that. Has that made a difference? Have you well, changed any laws?
4: Right now, well, the only way to change laws is we go to Congress, right? So what we right. have is if, for everybody who's out there listening, if you go on the website, you can sign a petition. And we're aiming, I think, over the last like couple of months since Gotoplus, we got about 3,000 um, signatures. The goal is 2012 in front of the White House,
3: Sweet. Nice. We want
4: two million women.
3: You know Barack will two be loving that. Two million women
4: in 2012 <laughs> in on August 26th, which ends up on a Sunday. So it is the actual day of Women's Equality Day.
3: Now, is there so, any is there any concern in the back of your head like, oh, maybe Rael is just using this as a way to see tons of topless chicks and maybe it's not about freedom and stuff like that?
4: I, I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that that's exactly not what he, not at all what he's, you know, behind. I, I've been involved in the Raelian movement for, you know, like I said, 14 years, and I believe that it's a, an absolutely beautiful organization uh, that supports the rights. How much of race. it
3: is devoted to titties, though? The religion. What do you mean? The Raelian
4: movement. The, the Raelian religion is devoted to titties. How much? Yeah, what percentage? No, it's, what, I don't understand the question. Then.
3: Oh man, now I am actually really laughing because I, I did love that last part where. Cornell Reed, if you I don't know if you can tell the voice, Cornell Reed asked how <laughs> how much titties are involved in the, in the Raelian movement. And the clip just ends with her going, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh classic, classic. Alright, guys, last guest of the podcast. A classic guest, if you will, a staple of the Green Room podcast. A real fan of her. Um, a real fan of her comedy. Always a uh, real wild card to have on the uh, the show. Just a uh, great gal mixing it up. You know what I mean? Great gal mixing it up. Shannon Hatch, good times as always. Shannon comes to the podcast straight from passing a DUI checkpoint and explains how she wasn't getting drunk. In fact, she was just attending a breathing seminar. The whole thing, the DUI checkpoint, the breathing seminar, very L.A. experience, and a great way to wrap up the Best of Babes podcast on the green room. So here you go, Shannon Hatch. I just,
6: I just got through a DUI checkpoint. I know, you yeah, were saying you. that. Congra- I was completely sober, but still. Congratulations. <laughs> you were really <laughs> happy you. about it. I know. Were, it does-
3: they, did, were they suspecting that you were drunk? And Look were at like- me.
6: Yeah. No, I think I think so. Yeah. No, he asked me a ton of questions.
3: Oh wow. Yeah. What kind of uh, walk us through your DUI checkpoint experience?
6: Uh, All right. I am told to pull to the side which I do along with several other vehicles and he walks up to the car and he says hey I'm looking to check IDs and, and just you know talk to you see what's going on where are you coming from and I, and I said <laughs> I love how
3: they're always going to trick you up oh buddy uh, yeah. the, uh, Jameson factory where I was just drinking <laughs> tons of whiskey <laughs>
6: <laughs> and he's like well the first thing was have you had anything to drink tonight and I said no I haven't and he looked at me and went well, where are you coming from? Like, the only place I could possibly have been coming from was a bar. Like, there's other, and I went, actually, sir, I'm coming from a breathing seminar. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, All right, so you're which high. Which I was. No, exactly. Like, <laughs> I was like, I know I'm gonna seem high, but I, I and I kind of did. I didn't say that, but I did sort of. I'm acknowledge high off life, I, officer. I, I did say something along those lines. Which I was like, <laughs> now nah, I'm really gonna get arrested. Uh, but no, I was like, he's like, don't. Um, doesn't everyone already know how to breathe? I was like, yes, but. That's kind of the Zed like, approach. there's benefits. Um, he's like, I don't understand. Like, he thought I was lying. He thought I literally just said breathing seminar. And he was like, got her. got nailed her. No one's coming from a breathing seminar. Well, and he was I just, interested. Yeah, he, like, well, oh, he where was. where do I well, sign well, up? He certainly was by the time I got through the explanation because I felt <laughs> I had to, like, I owed him way more details oh, so yeah. I could prove that I wasn't drinking at a bar. And, uh, no, he bought it. Totally bought it. I, I came actually from a bar uh, no. <laughs> a breathing
3: seminar a breathing came seminar. from a drinking, a living seminar that was held at a bar it teaches you how to live by drinking tons of alcohol so wait what actually goes down at a breathing seminar how it do you was, how do you get roped into a breathing seminar you get
6: roped in with a Facebook invite when you okay. haven't seen a friend in a while and you go you know what I'm going through a rough time too maybe maybe <laughs> maybe this will help me um it's it is weird. You sit in a circle you, uh, on a yoga mat with all strangers, introduce yourself, explain why you're there. I mean, there's some people even crying and they're like, and, my li- and it just, <laughs> I feel lost. I'm like, oh no, like I don't want it to get to me because I was just like, uh, I was just looking for some change. Um, it seemed cool. So wait, you have to, it's, it's a weird thing Because everyone's know. super into it and like, like super into like life and spirituality. Right. And, like, everyone talks. Just like, ah, I
3: don't know. It s- sounded cool. <laughs> yeah.
6: Like, I felt like the biggest asshole because I wasn't one of them. And I wanted to be like, trust me, in any other situation, you guys are the assholes.
3: It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a weird thing to defend why you want to learn how to breathe. Like, uh I was just here for the breathing. No, I
6: did, it's like, really, I owe everyone an explanation. I don't know why I was there either. Yeah, but it was cool. It was really, really cool. So it was basically
3: today's a day of openness. You got to tell the cops what's going on. You got to tell us what's going on. I know. Got to open up to the class. Now, okay, so you just sit around and you're hanging out. You
6: don't just sit around, all right? You also breathe. All right. And you make a contract with the teacher (laughs) that you will breathe as soon as you walk (laughs) into the door until he says don't breathe anymore. There's a contract.
3: There's a, now that uh, I'm assuming it's verbal, right? It's verbal. It's verbal. You're using your brains.
6: <laughs> it's still a contract, but there was a like famous person there or whatever. Not famous, but you know the chick Marilyn Rice Cub, that comic who's 24? Oh, okay. She was yeah, there. she's pretty famous. She's got, to, yeah. She was there, and uh, he said something like, because he would say to people as they were, he was talking to them, like, uh, you're in a contract with me. And he said that to her. He goes, You're in a contract with me. And she seriously didn't understand. She goes, No, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, No, to breathe. And she's like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was clear that she's like a working actor.
3: (laughs) I didn't sign anything, all right? My representation did not (laughs) sign off on any of this. I don't know what you're thinking right now. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she was fully prepared. That is a funny. I, I, LA is in general; it's a, a lot of people searching for answers. The majority of the people yeah. are searching for answers, and it's like, okay, things are going my way. But once I get a career going in what I want to do, then everything's going to be okay. Then that career uh, doesn't necessarily take off as well as they thought it would. You know, they're or maybe hang- it
6: does in Maryland Rice Cubs. Situation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe still searching for answers. She's there, guys.
3: <laughs> well, that's the thing. I think it's almost worse for the people who are successful and are still like, ah, I don't quite have life figured out. Maybe I'll eat healthy. Okay, I'm eating healthy. Maybe I should try to do some Zen stuff. Yeah, maybe Zen stuff. Oh, spirituality, medical
6: marijuana. Uh, yeah, you know, in a I-, way I felt bad for her. I'm like, you have all your shit together, <laughs> and you're here right now. I know. You're at the Silver Lake JCC from 7 to 9 p.m. on a Friday. <laughs> But it's funny because you're like, wait, you're making
3: uh, a lot of money. All your problems should be solved. What are you doing? Yeah. This is for people who uh, have problems. Yeah, we
6: need this. <laughs> I I'm cut off from unemployment working at a pet store. <laughs> yeah.
3: There you go, guys. I would like to thank everyone for being on the podcast, even though I feel like the majority of the people have no idea that they were also, once again, a guest on the podcast. Jay, Wow, Danielle Stewart, Jocelyn James. Tess Barker, Lyra Jack from the Go Topless movement, and Shannon Hatch. Appreciate your gals' times. And, of course, guys, feel free to check out com for the complete podcast archive, stand-up dates, and we will be back with a new podcast ideally from New York. That's the game plan, so make sure you tune in next week to that. Thank you, everyone, for checking out the podcast, subscribing to the podcast, rating the podcast, getting the word out. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys, for listening to The Green Room. We do it live here every week on com.
4: For listening to the green, really log on to SeanT.Green.com to access archive 19. episodes and follow the show on and Twitter at Green Root Show. Also, check out DocumentaryLabel.com. Label.com.
3: But he seen her walk by in them tight jeans, and he looked at her
1: like that's my queen.